0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode. I pray that these are a blessing to you and that you also are reading in the Word of God. I want to read again today in Romans chapter 2, and I want to conclude Romans chapter 2 today, and we will move into chapter 3 beginning tomorrow. And today I'd like to read... Romans chapter two, I'd like to begin reading in verse 12 and read through the end of the chapter. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law By nature do the things in the law. These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written, for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law but if you are a breaker of the law your circumcision has become uncircumcision therefore if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the requirements of the law will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision and will not the physically uncircumcised If he fulfills the law, judge you, who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter." whose praise is not from men, but from God. So let's look at this today, and we want to talk about the main thing. First of all, let's just do a brief review very quickly. In chapter 1, we saw in verse 16 and 17 that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to save anyone in any of these categories that he's describing in chapters 1 through 3. And that becomes the backdrop for the case that he's building. Then we saw in chapter 1 that verses 18 through 32 deal with sinners, just general sinners, anybody that's out there doing all of these evil things. They are rejecting God. They don't want to retain God. They don't want to think about Him. They refuse His Lordship. They worship the creation rather than the Creator. They are dishonoring their own bodies and abusing their own bodies by doing things that are evil and perverted and against God's prescribed order. They are murdering, they're lying, they're doing all of these various things that are evil, sinful in this world. Then he gets in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, he begins to deal with the religious crowd that's judging other people and yet hypocritically because they're doing the same things they're judging others for so he continues that por- that portion in this section really hunging in on the main thing that's what we want to talk about today so in order to do that we're going to look at several different scriptures because we need to understand that a huge part of what paul is addressing in this pos- Particular section today is in reference to circumcision. Circumcision of the flesh versus circumcision of the spirit. He's addressing and trying to help us understand the main thing about this particular topic here. And the reason is because there are some, this religious crowd of people that are boasting like we saw in the last episode in Jeremiah 7, where they were boasting, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, God's not going to let anything happen to us. Oh no, because we're we're righteous. We're the temple people. Even though we live any way we want to through the week, we come on the Sabbath, we have the, the holy temple here, and we dress in our robes, and we do all the right things on on the Lord's day but we're living any way we want to, and we think we're good. And so Paul addressed that. We talked a lot about that yesterday in the last episode. Now he's going to address the issue of circumcision, which is another part of the religious crowd that he is addressing here, because they have a form of godliness, but are denying its power. They they are, they're externally Jewish people of the seed of Abraham. But Paul is going to address something much deeper than that here because God has always been after the heart. He does not look on the external things. Those things don't matter in terms of salvation by faith. Now we're going to see... In the next episode, what is the difference and what is an advantage to it? But today Paul is trying to help us understand that that is not something to boast in because anything of the flesh is not what makes us right with God. No matter what it is, whether we're churched or unchurched, whether we're Jewish or Gentile, whether we have some covenant in the flesh of our our skin or whether we don't. And so Paul is trying to tackle this subject here and help us understand that even those who are boasting in the fact that in their flesh they are sons of Abraham, that means nothing in the scheme of salvation because salvation and sinful condition and our need for the Savior fits everybody. Neither Jew nor Gentile is excluded everyone is included. We are all sinful people. So he's going to talk about this topic of circumcision. So let's look at circumcision and try to get a biblical understanding of where Paul is going with this. The word circumcision is talking about the cutting away of the flesh. Now keep that in mind because that is key and that is important for us to understand. Circumcision represents cutting away of the flesh. And for the Jewish people, it was a sign or a token of the covenant with Abraham to all of his descendants. It is still done today. It's called the bris or the brit milah. It is also the name day, the bris. And I know of a Messianic Jewish friend of mine that just had a a new grandson, and they attended the the bris for him. And so it's still practiced today by the Jewish people, as was commanded by God to the Jewish people. So let's look at that commandment back in the book of Genesis. So I want to read in Genesis chapter 17. And in Genesis chapter 17, God is re- affirming his covenant with Abraham and giving a few more specifics to that. And you can read the entire chapter. I commend it to you. I would like to read verses 9 through 14 of Genesis chapter 17. And it says, beginning in verse 9, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you throughout their generations." This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money with, it from any foreigner who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house and he who is bo- bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant and the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So this is where God gave the instructions for this sign of the covenant between God and Abraham in the flesh. It's done at eight days old. That's when the prescribed order is for it to be done. And I want us to turn into Luke to see that this also applied to Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 2, verse 21, we read these words. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus or Yeshua in the Hebrew tongue the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So we see that Jesus was circumcised, brought into that same covenant. Jesus, our Savior, was a Jew, and his parents were Jewish, and they brought him under this covenant of Abraham, which was important. He had to do that as well. He had to fulfill that. He was born under the law to redeem all from the curse of the law. And we'll talk more about that here shortly. So this applied to Jesus also. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He had his brit milah or his bris. And this was also his name day where he was declared. His name was made public that it was Jesus, Yeshua. So notice in Genesis 17, the commandment came that the uncircumcised of the Jewish people were cut off from God's people. In other words, they had no claim to any inheritance of the Abrahamic covenant. Anyone who was not circumcised in the flesh had no inheritance available to them from the covenant that God made with Abraham. And I want to reiterate that from another place of Paul's writings in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul brings this out very clearly in Ephesians chapter 2. I want to begin reading in verse 11, and we're going to read a few verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So Paul is letting these Gentile believers know that prior to what happened that transformed their lives in their flesh, they were strangers to the covenants. They they were not inheritors of the covenant promises that were made to Abraham. Continuing on in verse 13, but now, Don't you love that little word, but? Oh, I love it because in the scriptures, it usually is followed by some great thing about God. But now, or but God, hallelujah. Let's look at what Paul says, verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Hallelujah. In Jesus Christ, that uncircumcision has now been done away with and we have been brought near and made heirs of the covenant. We will look at that in a moment, but Paul is making it very clear to us here. We were strangers to the covenant. We were not included. We were not heirs to it, but we were far off. It is only in Christ that we are brought near and now included in the covenant of Abraham and in the promises that it entails and gives to us. Let's look next at Galatians chapter 3. I want to spend a a bit of time here in Galatians chapter 3. I commend this chapter to you. It is one of my favorites in the entire New Testament. I love Galatians chapter 3. And Paul, he lays out an argument of logic here as well as he builds his case and proves his case. I wish I could read the whole chapter to you, but I'm going to begin reading in verse 5, and we will read a few sections of it, and then we will look at some other scriptures. The first section I want to read is verses 5 through 18 of chapter 3 of Galatians. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham and the scripture. Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. I want to stop right there in the reading for just a moment because he is quoting here. He quotes Deuteronomy 27. And I want to look at Deuteronomy 27 with you for just a moment. He quotes here Deuteronomy 27 verse 26. But if you read in Deuteronomy 27, you will see a list of a bunch of different things that are curses in the law. And so verse 26 says this. Verse 26 is kind of a summation, and it sort of encapsulates anything that hasn't been specifically mentioned before. Here we go. Cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law by observing them, or by keeping them, by obeying them. And all the people shall say, amen, let it be so. Sealing the fact that they knew and agreed that if they did not keep every aspect of the law, they fell under the curse of the law, okay? Now, keep that concept in mind as we read James chapter 2, verse 9 through 15. We are going back to Galatians in a few moments. But in James chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, He says this, let's begin in verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which was a quote from the Torah, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors or as cursed because you've broken it. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one or in one point. He is guilty of all. The Jews say there are 613 commandments in the law. What James is saying here, if you keep 612 and you screw up in one You might as well not have kept the whole 612 because you're guilty of all of them. You're just a lawbreaker. You are a sinful man. You are cursed. You are a transgressor. You have violated them all. That's what James is saying here. Continue reading in verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder... You've become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So what James is bringing out here and what Deuteronomy 27, 26 was bringing out is that you have to keep it all or... You are underneath the curse of the law. You are cursed. You are a transgressor. You've broken it all. You have broken it all. You are a sinful person. Notice in, back in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. In other words, he's saying nobody can keep all 613. And that's clear. That's evident. That's why the scripture said, the prophet said, the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. That's a quote from Leviticus. I want to read that quote to you. It's found in Leviticus chapter 18, and I want to read verses 1 through 5. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances, to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. So the law was given by God to bring life to us. The problem is that just like James said, if you're guilty of breaking one, You're guilty of all of them. You're a sinner, period. That's the whole point. It's showing us that we are unable to keep the law. We cannot do it, cannot do it, period. So now, let's go back to Galatians 3 and notice this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's one of the curses that's recorded in the Torah. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is affirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds as of many but as of one and to your seed who is Christ and this I say that the law which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. In other words, the law could not negate the promise that was given to Abraham by faith that in his seed these promises and the inheritance would come to Abraham's descendants. Let's jump down to verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. We saw that yesterday when we looked at Hebrews chapter 8 and he was telling us that the first the first covenant the law that covenant that that no one could keep had its usefulness but it's now been done away it's worn out because the better has now come and if the law could have brought us life if the law could have made us righteous before god and brought us into a relationship with god There would have been no need for Jesus to come and die on a cruel cross. That's what Paul and the author of Hebrews, which may or may not be Paul, are both saying. Verse 22, continuing on, but the scripture has confirmed all under sin. In other words, nobody can keep those 613 commandments. cannot be done. Nobody is able to do that that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, Paul here in Galatians chapter 3 lays out an argumentation, a logical argument to help us understand the seed of Abraham, who these promises relate to, and how they apply to both Jew and Gentile in Christ how they come to both those who are of the circumcision, meaning the Jewish people, and those who are uncircumcised, meaning foreigners or just people of all the various nations, Gentile nations. So let's look at Paul's logical argument for a moment. I remember being in college and taking a course on logic, and I learned a few things through that course One of the basic things in logic is that you learn the foundation is this. You have certain premises that draw to a conclusion. And in order for your argument to be solid and true, all of your premises must be true. So you establish your premises in fact and in reality and in truth. And if all of your premises are true, then the conclusion that you reach is in fact true and valid and authentic. So Paul does that here in Galatians chapter 3. And I want to share what, what I believe he uses as his premises to fulfill and to draw to the conclusion that and how the conclusion then is very valid. So the first premise that I see is found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. In Galatians 3, verse 7, Paul writes, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. He is not saying here that Jews who don't believe in Yeshua the Messiah are not Jews. They're not legitimate sons of Abraham. He's not talking about that here. He's talking about the true faith because Abraham believed God and that was how Abraham was made righteous with God and brought into a relationship. So he's really dealing with the issue of believing in God's promise, believing God's word, and that those who are of faith are the true sons of Abraham. So he's really talking with more of a spiritual nature here rather than the physical. Yes, every descendant, legitimate blood descendant of Abraham is part of the Abrahamic family and is a Jew by by their blood. But what Paul is addressing here is that being Jewish by blood or being Gentile by blood doesn't matter. What does matter is the faith that Abraham had in the promise of God and in the promise that a Messiah seed was coming and in the, in that seed that God would give through the line of Abraham, All of the nations would be blessed. Salvation was coming through Messiah. And Abraham believed in that promise. And therefore, he is the father of all of our faith. He is considered the father of our faith. Both Messianic Jews and Christians agree in this area because we both believe in the promised son of God who was also a son of Abraham. If you want to know more about that, read the genealogy of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3, and you will see that he is, in fact, the seed of Abraham. So Paul makes clear here in premise A that only those who truly have faith in Yeshua, in the promise of God and the promised one of God, are the sons of Abraham. are are the legitimate spiritual sons of Abraham. Premise B is found, I believe, in verse 16. And it says this, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed who is Christ. So the promises made to Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant that Abraham's seed became heir to were made to that one seed. Now, the promises made to Abraham were made to his seed, meaning Jesus Christ. So the promises were given to Christ. That's premise B. So first of all, premise A is the only way to inherit any of these promises is you've got to be a a son of Abraham. And those who are of faith are considered the spiritual children of Abraham. That's the first premise that Paul lays out here from verse 7. Second premise, verse 16, who can inherit the promises? The seed, Jesus Christ. So we know that the first premise requires faith and believing God to become a descendant of Abraham and heir to the promises. And we know the second premise that the promises come to the seed. And the seed is the one that is the heir to those promises. So what is the conclusion that Paul brings us to? It's found in verse 29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So in other words, he says that everyone who has believed in Yeshua, the seed of Abraham, the promised son of God, then you also are heirs to the promised covenant blessings of Abraham. Because they come to those who have believed in Jesus, in Yeshua, the Messiah. So Paul is telling us here, in Galatians, reaffirming just what he has talked to us about in Romans chapter two, and that is this. Circumcision is not the main thing. In the same breath, uncircumcision is not the main thing. Neither of those are the main thing. The main thing he writes here and clarifies for us In Galatians 3, verse 28 through 29, this is the main thing Paul's talking about all along. In verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. He's not saying that those distinctions aren't there. He's not negating that those things are true in the flesh and in reality. What he's saying is in reference to believing in God's promised one, Jesus, and being of faith and being heirs to the promised blessings of Abrahamic covenant, there's no difference. That's what he's saying. There's no distinction there because he says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The main thing is that same saving faith that saved Abraham, that brought Abraham into a relationship with God, believing God, with or without physical circumcision, believing God, faith in God and in his promised one is the main thing. And that brings us into what the scriptures identify as a circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh. And that circumcision of the heart makes us righteous before God. It gives us that right standing and gives us heirs to the covenant promises of God. I want to close with two final passages The first one I want to read is found in Colossians chapter 2, and I want to begin reading in verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So, what he's telling us here is that Jesus has made us alive to God and given us what's called the circumcision of the heart, cutting away the deeds of the flesh. You see, circumcision in the flesh was just cutting away the flesh skin, but circumcision of the heart is what God's always been after. That's cutting away the flesh of our our works, our works of flesh, our deeds of flesh, our sins. That's what God has been after. And in Christ Jesus, he makes us alive, gives us this circumcision of the heart, and he forgives us our trespasses in doing that, and wipes out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. All those 613 laws that stared us in the face that we could never keep, he wipes those things out. He nails them to the cross. He nails to the cross that that said that if we don't keep all of those, we're cursed. He nailed to the cross those things that were a curse to us, those things that were cutting us off, even uncircumcision in that case. It doesn't mean that the the whole of what the law required or spoke about is taken away. Oh, no, we're going to see that in the next episode, because just as I mentioned yesterday, the cross is the filter in that little short series I talked about, what applies to us today that is still applicable from the Old Testament, and there's a lot of it. Jesus didn't do away with the law. He simply summed it up. And he said, if you do the two greatest commandments, that summarizes the whole of the law, if you really obey them, His law is love, love God and love people like you love yourself. So he sums it all up. But he is bringing to us and has brought us into this circumcision of the heart that pleases God, because God's always been after the heart all along. The last one I want to read you is in Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. It says this, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the Church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless, but what things were gained for me, these I have counted loss for Christ, for indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Praise God. That's the main thing. We need to stay focused on Jesus Christ, because he, He is the superior one. He is the one who has brought us into a right relationship with God and made us heirs to the covenant blessings of God. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you today in Jesus' name.